Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. You're listening to a teaching message by Vintage Church in Harker Heights, Texas. Whenever and wherever you are listening to this, our hope is that you are encouraged and challenged by this message and that you are inspired to take your next step with Jesus. For more information, please visit us at vintage.church or follow us on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Good to see you. For those of you who may be visiting for the first time or the first time in a while, my name's Stephen. If I have not got the opportunity uh, to connect with you, get to know you, um, I'm one of the pastors here. I would love to do that. As a matter of fact, right through this exit door to the right, as you came in, is an area called the Guest Suite. And I hang out there with all of our pastors and our team members. We would love to shake your hand. I know Pastor Dylan talked about a gift that we have for you. I'd love to connect with you. Maybe you're a member of the church. You've been coming uh, for a while. Maybe you're already serving, but you have a question and you want to connect with us. We We are always there before and after every single service, ready to connect with you, answer any questions that you have. Can I just tell you, this this service is going to be really, really exciting. I have with me a very, very good friend. Before I do that, though, I want to explain why I've been gone so long. Some of you are like, who is this guy? Well, actually, me and my wife actually started the church, uh, but I've been gone the last several weeks because I've been spending time at our Belton location. For those of you who don't know, we actually launched our second location actually at Grand Avenue Theater in January in Belton. It grew so fast. God opened up an incredible Incredible door to get a building uh, that is pretty much this same footprint, not exactly the same use of space, but the same footprint at a quarter of the cost. Uh, the only problem was it was just an, a little old and smelly. It was a little old and smelly, so we decided we were going to go through and completely renovate the first floor and get in in time for Easter. And can I just tell you, like, I was there, I preached the last several weeks there. It is absolutely incredible what God has been doing at Belton, what He's up to in that area. There are people that didn't know Christ before that know Christ. There are people who they walked with God a long time ago, but maybe they were de-churched or unchurched. They found a, a revived connection to the body. It's incredible to see what God's doing there. They actually had the very largest child dedication in our church's history their last week. And can I just tell you, I, before we go any further, I'm going to let you clap in a minute. People say, you need to let the people clap, get excited. All right. But, but, but here, here's what I want to tell you. None of that would have happened without the Harker Heights location. As a matter of fact, today we came to you with the need, and today uh, this this really mostly contributions here because we were here first. We've raised to date over one hundred and thirty-one thousand dollars. Now you can clap. That's pretty good. It's incredible. And I'm going to tell you, we committed at the beginning of this to actually pay cash so we don't go into any additional debt to remodel. What's neat, too, is we'll be closing on this facility uh, later this year, and all of the money we're raising and renovating, uh, the bankers are actually going to let put towards down payment and all of that. So it's an incredible process, okay? But as I was there, there was just one thing that was missing. All the people were there. It was incredible what God was doing in the service. If you haven't heard Pastor Drew preach, I'm just telling you, he's a preacher. Come on, you can hear a preacher today, by the way too okay but it's incredible what he's doing but they're completely out of kid space and how do you know if mom ain't happy ain't no one happy come on I mean, that kid space, we renovated the bottom floor. We still have nearly 7,000 feet that we've got to finish. We demoed all of it uh, last week, but we've remained committed to not going into any debt. And so we're paying everything with cash. And right now, uh, this last portion, $43,000, we need to continue work. It will literally take two weeks to finish it, and we'll be able to open up that top area. And so here's what I'm asking you. There's a couple of things that I want us to do. Okay, first of all, none of this would be possible without us going first. We have given the most Okay, you guys, many of you have sacrificed to make uh, just this, what's happened there happen. We're going to let them worry about all the AVL. I told them, I said, Pastor Drew, y'all can worry about that, but Heights is going to help you get over the hump here. And so I was actually, I pitched this need in first service. After first service today, a member of our church came out and said, I want you to tell the church, okay, in the next service that I will match up to $20,000 of any of their donations. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Literally cut in half, but here's the catch. In the next three weeks, we've got to raise that. And so I wanted you to do two things. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to pray uh, for this new location. I want you to pray for this new, new location, all of the people getting saved, the people that even right now as I'm talking are connecting in the lobby, in the, in the commons. It's not called the lobby. It's called the commons. In the common space, connecting, getting to know people, joining groups. Pray that God continues to bring great growth to that uh, area and to that church. And then I also want you to pray what God might have you to do to knock out that 
need. And so can we, do th- can we do this just as a symbolic action? Can you just put your hands towards me as if you're putting your hands towards the Belton location, our brothers and sisters over there, and let's pray. God, I thank you so much, Lord, for everything that you're doing at our Belton location. Father, right now, I join my faith with every single person's faith. Father, you say that where two or more are gathered in my name, you are there, and they can ask anything according to your will, and we know your will is always to expand your kingdom. It's your will, God, that we're there. It's your will that people are reached. Every time we've opened space, God, you've always added souls. You've always added people taking steps. When we make room for more people, God, you bring the people. Jesus said the problem is not the harvest. (laughs) It's in the hands that make the harvest possible. And right now, Father, I pray that you would speak to each of us individually about what we might do to help get this project over the finish line. We thank you, God, for everything you've already done at Belton and for the many, many more years of effective ministry there because of the sacrifice of your people. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, I am really excited to get into service. I have with me a very, very special guest, really a brother in Christ. I visited this, and we've been friends for years, nearly a decade, and I visited uh, this church uh, right before COVID. It's an incredible church. Pastor Josh and Lindsay Belt, pastor Our Savior's Church. They're senior pastors of a multi-site church. They have three locations in Jennings, Eunice, and Crowley. I said I remember Eunice because I had a grandmother, you know, a friend's grandmother was named Eunice. Uh, but that's a city there in Louisiana. They're inc- it's an incredible church. Literally, we, when I went and spoke there, I actually, um, I, I, I was kind of, God was speaking to us about being multi-site. And I, I just can't tell you, I saw for the first time how we could actually do it and remain healthy. And, and it's an incredible church. They're doing incredible things. But what really impresses me and why we bring people uh, into, in, in, into our church family and why we have them speak is because of what they've done in our life personally. How many of you guys know you need friends who want more for you than from you? Our lives full of those friends. And I'm just going to tell you, he has been a friend. Him and his wife, Lindsay, have been a friend to our family. They've been a constant encouragement. I was on the phone with them constantly as we went from one church to two churches because he's already been there, done that. God's doing incredible things there. And I have sat through two uh, messages. And I don't do that with every guest speaker. Okay, sometimes I'm like, by the time this one gets around, I'm just like, hey, here's the mic, and I got the back. But I'm going to tell you, in every single service, I listen. And I'm telling you, God's spoken something different to me. And he's a preacher. I'm just going to tell you, you got to get me back next week. Okay, so don't get your expectations too high, okay? Uh, it's really, really good. And I really believe that God has a word for you through him this morning. And so will you join me in welcoming my good friend, Pastor Josh Bell. Come on. Hey, y'all give it up for your pastor. Come on, how many love Pastor? Stephen and Kyla, what a great gift they are to us. Come on, how many love Jesus? Let's give it up for Jesus today. We love him. Hey, I, I just want to say right out the gate, uh, Pastor Stephen, as you were sharing what's going on with the building, and uh, man, how incredible is that $20,000 matching fund? That's incredible already. Um, I feel like the Lord just told me, our Savior's Church is going to give $5,000 to that, to just start out right out the gate to help make that, make that happen. So, All right, so... Who's in? Come on now. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Which, by the way, he didn't pay me to say that. <laughs> but that's, I, uh, I am so honored to be here. And, and, and as Pastor Stephen said, I am, I am so blessed by him. As, as much as we've been a blessing to him, uh, Vintage and the Martins have been a blessing to us. I am so grateful for his friendship. We've learned so much. He is one of the smartest pastors I know. Uh, and I call him the master pastor. And he, he's just incredible. Y'all have an incredible team. Such a gift. Last time I was here, uh, we were in this building and it was just a a big old empty warehouse. And I remember us standing right here and praying over what this place was going to become and to walk in here and to see the excellence of this place. Y'all know y'all are blessed. I mean, y'all are blessed uh, with what you have here and so grateful for it. I'm just going to be honest, a bit jealous in some regards. I got to, I got to create the, I'm content with what we have, but this is amazing. But uh, I am, I, I love being here. I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know if I would ever come back. Uh, y'all want to know how I almost killed your pastor? Anybody want to know how I almost killed your pastor? I almost killed your pastor. I just want to let you know. Anybody want to know the story? I, I, how I almost killed your pastor? If you haven't heard this already, I don't know, maybe he shared this story in a forgiveness message, but uh, your, your pastor has... You weren't ready. We're not even, he's not even there yet. Um, 
I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here. <laughs> so the last time we were here, I brought all of my pastors uh, with me. And we came just to learn and grow and hang out and connect. And so we had a whole day of just spending time with the staff and learning. And he said, hey, let's go out to the lake. I got some jet skis. We're going to go have some fun. We'll go out on the water. It'll be a blast. And I'm like, man, I love that. I love jet skis. I love all that. So we went out there and he was like, hey, do any of y'all know how to ride jet skis? I was like, right here, master, right here. I've, I mean, I know. I know how to do it. And so we went out, got the jet skis, we're riding down the lake, you know, racing. Come on, you know, you got to race each other. I mean, two alpha men, you're not going to beat me. I mean, we're, we're going, we're racing, we're splashing, we're doing all that. And he takes off down to the other side of the lake. And I'm like, this is my moment. This is my moment to give him the biggest tidal wave he's ever had in his life. And so I take off full speed towards him. And he's just sitting there, and I'm sure he's kind of thinking, what's really going on here for a moment? And I go, and I get real close to him, and I'm not slowing down. And I'm sure at some point he's going, what's going on, what's going on? So the, this was the intention. The intention was I was going to turn right at the last minute and just hit a tidal wave on top. You already see where this is going, don't y'all? Hit a tidal wave on top of him. I went to do the turn but failed to realize you have to actually hit the accelerator to turn a jet ski. I didn't hit the accelerator, and I went right up him. I ramped his jet ski. He flew off. Okay, he jumped off. He jumped off. Life flashed before his eyes. I'm sure he's thinking Kyla's going to be a widow now. I mean, all these things are going on. He flies off his jet ski. I jump off of mine. I'm crashed. I mean, everything, it's whirlwind. And he comes up out of the water. How many go? What, what, what were you thinking? I'm like, I wasn't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, all this stuff. He's, he's cussing me in his mind. I know it. I know it because I would have been. And here in that moment, that I'm, I'm, man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I'm in like sackcloth and ashes, repenting before him. And he's, he's like, man of God, it's okay it's okay the whole day. I'm, it's just ruined. And so I never thought I'd be back here. I thought that was the end of the friendship. That was the end of everything. I mean, no, you got a forgiving, grace-filled pastor right there. I just want you to know mercy and grace is on his life. So needless to say, every time I'm around him, I cost him a lot of money. So I'm here though. Grateful to be here. Thank you for, I don't know if you forgive me yet, but I'm here. So I, I thank you. Okay. Yes. He forgave me last service. Okay. Finally, we're there. Hey, I want to introduce real quick uh, my incredible bride who is here with me, my wife, Lindsay. Lindsay, wave your hand right there. There she is. We, uh, we've been married for 18 years. Come on, somebody. And uh, I know I look 22, but I'm not. Uh, we have three boys. Let me show you. I'll show you a picture of this. Here are my three boys. We are a house of boys in our house. We got one queen in this house. So uh, Lindsay and I have been married 18. My oldest son right here at the top is 16. He is Josiah. Uh, he's driving. So somebody pray for us right now, okay? We need, we need deep intercession. I got Life 360. I know everywhere he goes, all right? And then we've got uh, Judah, who is uh, right here down at the bottom. He is my 13-year-old. Uh, I've, I've got the little choke on him. How many of you got a middle child that you want to do that sometimes too? Anybody? Okay. And then, of course, I got my, my last and my caboose, my miracle boy. I'll share his story in just a minute, Joel. So that's our family. We have, uh, I am originally from Texas. Y'all don't love Texas? What's going on? I, mean, I thought for sure that would have been the moment. Y'all would have been like, finally, a home man. Okay. I am, I'm from Houston. Uh, my dad worked for American Airlines. He got transferred up to DFW in Dallas. And then I lived in Arlington for seven years. And then, uh, and then graduated high school and moved to Louisiana, where my mom's family was from. I've been in Louisiana now for 21 years. I, uh, I, I found a Cajun, got married, and uh, got in plugged into a church. And I've been at the same church for 21 years. 21. I know. It's crazy. Uh, but let me tell you this. I didn't stay there because I found a great church. I stayed there because I found great family. And when you find family, how many know that's rare in today's day and age? I had a spiritual father that really took me in. My, my father had abandoned me my last final year of high school. Uh, our whole family went and did his own thing. So I had a big father wound in my life. And God brought a man by the name of Pastor Bubba McCann to be a spiritual father to me. And then I got married and, and here we are. I started as an intern. I did worship and then I was the youth pastor and then I was the children's pastor and then I was the executive pastor and then I was the campus pastor. And uh, about 16 months ago, I was handed the baton of being the senior pastor of the church. So listen, if you're scrubbing toilets, just stick around. Who knows, you might become a senior pastor one day. I'm telling you, I cut the grass, I did it all. But uh, that's, God blesses faithfulness. And, and uh, I'm just a story of that. 
I am not super smart. I'm not, there, uh, there are way more talented people than me, but no one will work harder than me and no one will stay more planted than me. And I'm gonna tell you, God blesses those who stay planted in God's house. Can I get an amen from somebody at the 1230? Now, let me just start out by just saying, I heard 1230 was the most lit service. That was the word on the street. Uh, you guys were like holler back pre- people. I mean, y'all, were, y'all are that type because y'all have already had 15 cups of coffee before you got here. Uh, you're rested. You're ready to go. Come on. Are y'all ready? Are y'all here? Okay. Okay, good. All right. All right. So you just, hey, say preach it. Let's go. Preach it, white boy. Whatever it takes. Let's just... Let's go, okay? All right, if you got your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 16. I love having fun, by the way. I, I, I feel like church should be a place you don't have to endure. I believe it should be a place you enjoy. Come on, anybody want to enjoy church and not endure? How many endured church growing up? I, I did. Uh, I was drugged to church. Uh, I had a drug problem, and that was, I was drugged to church everywhere I went. I'll be full of them tonight, okay? So Acts 16 is where we're going to go. If you got your Bibles, I want you to read this right along with me. And it says this, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Not a good day, by the way. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into where? Where were they thrown into? Okay, everybody help me. When I stop, that's your, that's your cue. You get, to, you get to read with me. Okay, next verse says this. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Next verse says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. And the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. Now you gotta know in those days, if any inmate escaped, the jailer was killed. So he decided, hey, I'm sure they've all left. So he's about to commit suicide. As he's about to commit suicide, the next verse says this, but Paul shouts to him, what does he shout? Come on, let's say it, what does he shout? Stop. Stop. Don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Why don't you pray with me? Father, we love you. God, we dedicate this, uh, this day to you, this time to you. We thank you for the, uh, the opportunity we have to gather in your house, to be encouraged, to be challenged. Your word is alive and active. And God, I thank you that um, I get to just get out of the way and let your word do all the work. And so I'd ask that it would go forth and that it would transform hearts and minds. Our ears are open. Our hearts are ready to receive all that you have for us. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Charles Dickens said this quote, it was the best of times, anybody help me? And it was the worst of times. It was the best of times and it was the worst of times. That, that you can, at the same time, have two different things going on at the same moment. The best and the worst. I love what uh, Pastor Rick Warren, who pastors Saddleback Church in California, he said this, watch, read, read what he said. I used to think life was hills and valleys. Maybe listen a little too much Torrin Wells. I don't know what's going on. So he says, you have a really high hill and then you have a really low valley. I don't believe that anymore though. He said, I think life is really actually like two rails on a train track. That there are always good things in your life going on and then that there are always bad things in your life going on at the exact same time. And he goes and he says, watch this. No matter how bad things are, there's something I could thank God for. How many believe that to be true? No matter how bad it is, how many know there's a great God we can appreciate and thank him for? On top of all that though, however as good things are, there's always something that I need to work on. How many know we're all works in progress? How many believe that to be true? If you, if you don't, okay, you're a little prideful. Okay, so... We're all works in progress. All of us have something to work on. And so this is what he says. So don't focus on either track. Don't focus on just the good or just the bad. He says, no, 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 we focus on the goal. 
You know, as we look over the last really 18 months, starting at the end of 2019, going into 2020, and all the stuff that we went through last year, how many would say last year was a pretty rough year? Let's just be honest. Anybody in here? Last year was a pretty rough year? Rough year. How many, for you though, there were some great things that happened in 2021, uh, 2020 as well? Anybody? Yeah, it was, uh, it was the worst of times, but it was also, at other parts, the best of times. It was, it was the worst because we had an, an epidemic of fear and stuff that was going on, but it was also the best of times because I got more time with my family than I ever have. It was the worst of times because many people did die, but it was also the best of times because many people also got saved. It was the worst of times in so many ways financially, but it was also the best of times in that we saw God's provision. We saw God show up in ways that only he could. You maybe have experienced that in your own life, that there have been times where everything seems to be going really well, but at the same time, maybe anybody experienced this where it was going great at, at work, but then it was kind of hellish at home. Or, or as soon as you finally get everything at home starts getting really good, then it kind of gets a little hellish at work. And it's like, why can I never get a break? Every time that it seemed like I'm taking 10 steps forward, I'm also kind of taking three steps back. Anybody been there? And this is where we are with, with Paul and Silas. They are on their second missionary journey. Everything is just clicking. It's going good. I mean, churches are being planted and people are getting saved and disciples are being made and people are getting set free and so many incredible, great things are going on. I mean, if you were to check out Paul and Silas's Instagram, it's popping, okay? It's amazing. Everything's happening. Miracles are going on. But at the same time, they're, they're confronted with a, a girl who is a slave girl that is, has a demon, and she is ridiculing them. They're on their way to prayer, and she's constantly just ridiculing them. And, and I love what the scripture says, because she didn't do this just in one day. She did this over the course of days. And the Bible says that Paul got aggravated. How many of you glad that the Bible is so real? Like, anybody in here get aggravated? Anybody here? Anybody have children? Okay, all right. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's easy to get aggravated. And here in this moment, he, he's getting aggravated in a really righteous reason because here it is. He's, he's getting all of this demonic oppression, which by the way, if you are going through life and you are 100% in the will of God, just because you love God with all your heart doesn't mean you ain't gonna go through hard times. I mean, no, if you love God 100%, it probably means you're gonna have really hard times because I mean, no, an enemy does not like the fact that you are going all out for Jesus. And so here we are, these guys are under attack and he rebukes that demon, it comes out of the slave girl and instead of getting a thank you, they get beat and put in prison. 100% in the will of God and yet if you look at their life, you would go, this doesn't make sense. You would think they would get promotion, not prison. But what we fail to realize is that it was a part of God's overall plan. God had a purpose in it all. And so... Today, I wanna, I wanna share the title of my message is called The Best Worst Day. The Best Worst Day. For some of you, maybe last year was the best worst year. Maybe you were like, no, it was the worst worst year. But I wanna tell you how you can get through hard times. If I could subtitle this, I would talk about how to get through what you're going through. How do you, how do you get through those times where it's not the best of times? How do we get through that? I, I wanna share a quick story with you that is very personal to us, probably the hardest time Lindsay and I have ever had in our entire lives. I, I am uh, grateful to have loved God most of my life, lived in an incredible family, uh, got married to an incredible, gorgeous woman. I mean, everything in my life really has went really well for the most part, until January 2nd, 2013. January 2nd, 2013 is a day I will never forget. It's a day that I was at my office and I get a phone call from my wife, which I normally do throughout the day. I pick up the phone. Hey, babe, what's up? You need to get to the doctor's office as soon as possible. Wait, what are you talking about? They say something's wrong with Joel's heart. Now, Joel is our youngest child at this time. He's two years old at this time. I rush off to the doctor's office only to find out that our pediatrician says, we don't know what's up, but we did some x-rays on his heart and something doesn't look right. You need to get to Lake Charles Memorial Hospital as fast as you possibly can. We have doctors there waiting for you to show up. 
We rush as fast as we can to Lake Charles Memorial Hospital. We get in, they wheel us into the ICU room in the ER and they begin to do echocardiograms and EKGs and all this stuff, start hooking up our son to oxygen. And the ER doctor walks into the room and he says, um, Mr. and Mrs. Belt, I don't know how to share this with you, but your son has congestive heart failure and we don't know why. And he walks out the room. In that moment, of course, our world has flipped upside down. Everything's been going great. We've been in a great season. And here we are, our son is fighting for his life and we don't know why. Over the next 42 days, we would be in three different hospitals. He would get life flighted from one hospital and then they would try to work on him and then they couldn't figure things out. And then he would get life flighted to another hospital. And for the next 42 days, we would go through this procedure to find out that he's diagnosed with a very rare lung disease called pulmonary hypertension. This is normally found in, in older adults. It's rarely ever found in children, nevertheless in boys. On top of all of that, the question was, well, okay, what do we need to do? And they say, well, here's the bad news. There's no cure. And if there's even bad news on top of bad news, normally when we find that children have this, they won't make it past four years old. So we just ask that you would go. We'll do everything we can medicinally, but just you need to prepare for your son not to be here by the time he's four years old. So they put a central line in his chest and started, we started on this medication uh, that he was getting pumped into his body 24-7 into his heart. He wore this backpack all the time, and uh, this is a part of one of the procedures, heart surgeries, that he had a picture of it. And uh, we were told to uh, just go ahead and prepare for the worst. But God. Come on, but God. Everybody say, but God. There's always a but God in the midst of that. And I'm incredibly grateful for doctors. How many are thankful for doctors and medicine and all that? You know, it's part of God's common grace. Incredibly grateful for all of them. But, but they only know so much. Because there's something about when God, how many know he orchestrates life and he also says when it ends as well. And so we believe for God to just do incredible things. And uh, he passed his third birthday and then his fourth birthday and then his fifth and his sixth and his seventh and his eighth and his ninth. And today our son is 11 years old. He is a walking miracle, walking miracle. Now, my son still has the disease. Uh, over the last couple of months, we've had some very dark and very hard days. My son woke up a month ago in a matter of a ma massive migraine, and he says, I just want to die. So we're not out of it. We're still in the thick of it. And I've had people over these last seven years go, Pastor Josh, how do y'all walk through that? How do you go through something like that and still keep a faith in God? How do you, your son is not healed yet. He's, of course, has made it past the four years, but how do you do this? And so that's what I want to share today. I want to share how do you get through hard days? How can the worst days be even some of the best days? So if you're, if you're taking some notes, I want, I want us to look at, at Acts 16 just for real quick. And I want to I kind of extrapolate four thoughts today that I believe on how we can get through really hard times. Number one is that we need the presence of people. I, I love that this verse says that around midnight, Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas. This last year, the enemy has been pretty active about dividing us about, about separating us, about keeping us isolated. We had times of quarantine where we were isolated. How many know when you are isolated, though, your mind begins to play tricks with you? More people are battling depression right now and mental illness right now than ever before in the history of the world because of isolation. And when you are in a dark place, the Bible says that these guys were put in the inner parts of the dungeon. Actually, many theologians believe that in these Roman prisons, that's where the sewer system was. How many know hashtag crappy day? That's a crappy day. All right, you got a crappy day. You ain't got nothing compared to these guys. And here they are. Here's what the one enemy forgot, though. The enemy forgot one thing. He shouldn't have put them together. He shouldn't have put them together because he didn't realize that Ecclesiastes says it this way. Watch, everybody help me with this. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two people are better off than what? Come on, let's say it again. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and... And help, but someone who falls is in, come on, in real trouble. Listen, 
If you're gonna go through hell in life, I'm just telling you, I'm not trying to prophesy something, but if you go through life long enough and you serve God long enough, it's not always going to be roses and tulips and I just love Jesus, it's gonna be all good and all this stuff. I mean, no, the people who love Jesus went through hell the most, but I am committed and I pray that you're committed that when you walk through hell, you just don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Don't walk through life alone. You're going to battle some battles, but make sure that you don't do it alone because the one who does it alone is in real trouble, is in real trouble. That's why the church is so important because the church is not a place you go to. It's a family you belong to. Anybody grateful for this spiritual family called Vintage Church? Anybody got some people in here that have walked with you through some stuff? Listen, you and I are one phone call away from your life radically changing. And this is what I have found. Most people, when crisis hits, they try to microwave relationships real quick. And then they say things like, no one was there for me. Where, where, where was all the people at? Well, the problem is, is when life was good, you wanted to do it all by yourself. But when life really got real, you realized, I can't do it by myself. Paul and Silas were together. These were guys that encouraged one another. I, I'm so grateful for friends like Pastor Stephen. Pastor Stephen and I love to hang with each other, but what I love about him is we don't just hang with one another, we help one another. How I many know oh, that's a real friend? Not one who will just hang with you, but one who will help you. The one who will look into your life and go, man of God, get up. You got this. Woman of faith, come on. You need people in your life. And, and there's no greater moment that you need people in your life than when you're walking through hell when you're in the dark places of your soul. 2020 was a hard year for a lot of people, but my question was, were you doing it alone? But I got, I got good news for you. You are in a family right now that says, you don't have to do it alone. Let's do this together. We're better together. Can I get an amen from somebody? We're better together. So you need the presence of people. If you're gonna go through hard days, you need people. Now I'm gonna say this. You say, well, well how do I help people? Maybe you have a friend, a spouse, a, a, a loved one, a neighbor, that is going through a hard time right now. They don't need a sermon. I could write a book on all the things not to say. I've had people in our hardest moments come up to me and try to encourage me and, and discourage me more. They should have not said anything. This is, my, this is always my encouragement to people. You know how you help people the most? You show up and you shut up. You just show up you don't have to say a lot. Well, I don't know what to say. You don't have to say it. You just being there in the moment is enough. You just going, I'm here to help. You serve. You find ways. You don't have to have a, a speech. You just show up. For Lindsay and I, over these last years, it's been one of the most encouraging things for our faith that when, when our son was, in, was sick or he'd have to go to the hospital, that people would just show up and go, we're just here. We don't have to, we don't have to do anything. We're just, we're just here to love on you. We're just here to be a part. So you, you need people. Number two, everybody say number two. You, you, you need the power of prayer. You need the power of prayer. It says, around midnight, Paul and Silas, what were they doing? Complaining. How many know, if anybody gets a complaining pass, these guys do. How many know, somebody cuts us off in traffic and we're complaining. We don't, we don't get our Starbucks in time and we're complaining. These guys got beat and in prison and they're not complaining, they are they're praying. And there's something about going through hard days. What would it look like if instead of us complaining to people, we were to pray to God? What if instead of us posting to Facebook, we were supposed to send that to the Lord? Way too many people are sending stuff to people that they should be sending to the Lord. And these guys in this moment are praying, they're seeking the Lord, the power of prayer in this moment. And the devil made a one really huge mistake outside of putting them together. Watch this, the jailer clamped their feet. But what he failed to realize, the most powerful weapon that Paul and Silas had was not their feet and it was not their hands. How many know there is life and death in the power of the of the tongue, and he failed to realize that their most powerful weapon was right here, not right here. How many of you know, your feet may be bound, you may be stuck, but if you can still speak, you can still pray, and if you can still pray, God can still show up. God can do incredible things through prayer, the power of prayer. This is why this church believes in prayer. This is why these services are bathed in prayer. This is why in between services, hey, let's get some prayer. After service, let us pray for you. It's not just because we're just trying to just do something just to fill the time, because we believe that when prayer happens, things change and you change. 
I love what James says in chapter five, verse 17. It says, Elijah was a man with human frailties, just like who? Come on, like who? All of us, just like all of us, Elijah was a man of frailties. Now, I don't know if y'all know the story of Elijah. Elijah, like, called down fire from heaven. How many know? That's a bad man. Anybody called down fire lately? Anybody? Oh, nobody? Okay, all right, all right. That's a bad dude. And yet the Bible says he, he was frail, like all of us, but these butts are huge, okay? But he prayed. So he had frailties, but he prayed. And because he prayed, he received, what did he receive? Some supernatural, how many need some supernatural answers in your life right now? Man, God, I just need some answers. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, you may be feeling depressed, but God. You may, you may have heard what, what the doctors or what medicine has said, but God. You may believe that your marriage is on the brink of divorce, but God. How many know when you add a but God, it doesn't matter what happens before the but, it matters what happens after it, that God can do what you and I can't do. But God. I, I know how I feel, but when you pray, things change. Number three, the perspective of praise. So not only do we need people in our lives, not only do we need to be a people of prayer, going after the Lord in prayer to do what we can't do, but we need the perspective of praise. And the reason I put perspective was for a reason. Because perspective can either be your prison or your pulpit. Perspective is not what you see, it's how you see. This is huge here, I'm telling you, this is huge. Because you can have two people look at the exact same thing and two people have two totally different perspectives on it based off of life, based off of experiences, based off of pain, based off of their relationship with God. I mean, one person could look at it and have fear, another person can look at it and go, God's got this. I mean, no, when David stepped up to Goliath, all the children of Israel were like, no, 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 no. And David was like, yo mama. <laughs> What's different? Both of them saw Goliath. Both of them saw the giant. One stepped up with fear and another one stepped up with faith. The question is, what is your perspective this year? What is your perspective with the problem that you're facing right now? Are you like, oh, I don't know. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, no, no, Paul and Silas led. Uh, no, no, we're gonna pray. We're gonna praise. We're gonna worship the Lord. He can do what no one else can do. And the reason why they could praise was because their perspective was not connected to their pain. These guys were in pain. Like when it says they were beaten, it wasn't like a little paddle and go in. Like these guys probably had broken bones. These guys probably had open flesh wounds. These guys were in the middle of the dungeon with sewer running all around them. Anybody could complain in that moment. And it says, no, 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 here's the deal. Their perspective, the reason why they could pray, the reason why they could praise, the reason why they could sing was because their perspective of where they were in that moment was not connected to the pain they were in at that moment, but it was connected to the God who can do anything in that moment. Are y'all with me? And so it says, they were singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Hey, which by the way, the greatest witness you have is what and how do you serve God when life is hard? Hey, listen, it's easy to praise God when your bank account is full. Can you praise him when you don't know how you're gonna pay the next bill? It's easy to praise God when all of health is good, but can you praise God when you get a diagnosis that you don't wanna get? Are y'all with me today? It takes a mature faith follower of Jesus that will praise God when life is hard. And yet in that moment, the Bible says that everybody's listening, everybody's watching because they're trying to see how is this man, how are these men going to get through a hard moment? We're all in hard moments. Everyone was prisoners, but they're listening in. So there's something different about these guys. These guys aren't like every other prisoner that just walked into this place. There's something different about them. Man, these guys are praying. These guys are singing. Why are they singing? What should be singing? I should be singing a totally different song than probably what they're singing. And here we are in this moment. It says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. To its foundations. I am a, uh, I'm a football guy. I love playing football. I, 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 I didn't really play it much. As y'all can tell, I'm a pretty swole buff dude. But um, I didn't, why y'all laughing? Okay, come on somebody. <laughs> this jacket is hiding a lot of things. Okay, so 
I, I didn't really play. I played baseball, played basketball, but I love watching football. And if you're in Louisiana, there's really only two teams that you cheer for in Louisiana. You cheer for the LSU Tigers and you cheer for the Saints. Go Tigers, okay? And so, so we, we are a Houdat nation, all right? Now, it's been a lot of years since we won the Super Bowl, but we're just gonna hold on to that for a long time. And so we love watching football. We love watching football in our house. And our coach for the Saints is a guy by the name of Sean Payton. I have a picture of him. This is Sean Payton, by the way. And uh, Sean Payton is very, very well known for a couple of things. But one of the biggest things he's known for is this little red flag that he's holding in his hand. Sean Payton is known for being one of the coaches that throws this thing the most. Now, if you know anything about football, for those that don't know anything about football, I'll teach you for a moment. And that is that when a referee calls a penalty of some form, if a coach does not agree with that penalty, he can throw this red flag to challenge the play. So he throws it on the field. So the ref throws his flag and he's like, I'm throwing my flag. Everybody's throwing flags, okay? So what ends up happening is the referee sees the red flag that's there and then he'll come out to the middle of the field and he'll say this, the previous play is under review. And then what he'll do is he'll then go back and I'm gonna show you, he goes back to this little place where he goes into this little box, he puts on these headphones and he begins to watch this play that is being challenged from not just his perspective that he saw it from, but from the perspective of 20 plus cameras that were all over the stadium that caught this play. And he's watching it in slow motion in all of these different ways. And from that one call right there, a, a referee will then come back out on the field and he will say something like this. And I have seen entire seasons destroyed or continued based off of this one thing right here. Well, they'll say this, Upon further review, the play on the field has been overturned. This is what cost the Saints the Super Bowl from the Minnesota Vikings a long time ago. I'm still bitter, as you can tell. But, but that's what's happening. These refs get to see it from different perspectives. Watch this, watch this. What would it look like if what you're going through right now if you, instead of just seeing it from your perspective, were to go to the Lord and say, God, show me your perspective. And how many know God starts showing you replays of different things from different perspectives that you didn't see? And then you can come onto the field and you say, hey, upon further review, I don't believe that to be true. My God says he's a healer. Listen, they say you're gonna be sick. No, 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 no. Upon further review, look, look what it says. Psalms 103 uh, verse three says, he forgives all of my sins. How many believe that to be true? Anybody? Hey, you gotta read the rest of it though if you also believe that it says and he what he heals all my diseases they say no no no. you're lost family member no no no. they're always going to be lost no 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 no. after further review Acts 16 31 says believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with your household you're always going to be a failure you're never going to matter much your past is too bad no 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 after a further review Romans 8 1 says so now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus come on somebody you're always gonna struggle with fear and worry. No, 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 after further review, Isaiah 26, three says, you will keep him in perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. After further review, after further review, 2014, we were at all, we exhausted all options for our son. He was on the highest form of medication that any child had ever been at four years old with this disease. The doctor said, we can't go any more higher. The, the, the disease is progressively getting worse. Like it's gonna get really bad. He said, we have one option really left. And that is that we can do this very rare heart surgery on your son, and it's only been done on three kids in the US. And so Lindsay and I went and prayed and fasted and believed that, okay, we're gonna go this route. So we gave the green light. We flew to St. Louis, and our son underwent this very rare heart surgery. And I remember that night, after he comes out of a really extensively long surgery, he's all hooked up with, felt like hundreds of wires all over him. He's got the tube down his throat. He's, he's intubated. And I told Lindsay, I said, Lindsay and I would do a thing when our son was in the hospital. One would go to the hotel one night, and then the next night we'd switch, so we're not exhausted all the time. And so I said, hey, tonight's gonna be probably the roughest night. I want you to go to the hotel. I'm gonna stay with him tonight. So this is the first night after his surgery. 
And uh, we're there in the room and I'm watching him and he's sedated. And probably about three or four in the morning, he's coming out of sedation. And he's got this tube down his throat and he has no clue why he has this tube down his throat. And so he's saying, dad, dad. And I'm walking over to him and I said, daddy's here, buddy, daddy's here, daddy's here. And that's all he can say is dad, dad. So I get down and man, I'm, I'm bawling my eyes out. Cause there's nothing like a parent being in a hospital room with your son when there's nothing you can do. And I put my hands on his hands and I grab his hands and I said, let's sing. My son's favorite song was Jesus Loves Me. How many y'all know that song? Let's, let's see how much you know it. So I'd say, Jesus loves me, this I for the tells me so. Little ones to him belong. And here's where God spoke to me. Because they are weak, but he is strong. And I'm bawling my eyes out. And I realized that in that moment, I wasn't singing that song over my son. I was singing that song over me. And in my weakest moment, where I couldn't do anything for my son, and I said, God, it's in my weakness you're made strong. God, I need you. And I felt the Holy Spirit immediately speak to me. Now, like God didn't enter the room and like lightning struck, and that happens for Pastor Stephen, not for me. Um, <laughs> it was just like a nudge from the Holy Spirit. And it was God the Father saying this. I know how you feel. Because how many know God the Father knows exactly what it's like to see his son suffer and to not be able to do anything? And in that moment, I, I was so grateful for Jesus because I realized Jesus had his father turn his back on him so God the Father would never turn his back on me. And here in that moment, the presence of God was there. And ever since that moment on, when we've had moments where we just didn't know what to do, we've gotten on our knees and we've just worshiped the Lord. I can't tell you how many times I've cried in my car listening to worship music. There is something about when your praise is connected to the darkest moment of your life that God shows up in his brightest moments. How do you get through hard days? Have your perspective be attached to praise and not to your pain. Which leads to actually the last one, which is that we need to have pain with a purpose. Pain with a purpose. How many of you in here love pain? Anybody? Anybody weird like that? Okay, yeah, nobody from me. Yeah. Truth is, I think people don't hate pain. People hate pain that doesn't have a purpose. Watch. Do I have any mamas in the house? Who's had, who's had babies? Babies? Okay. Hey, was that pain-free? <laughs> Y'all wanted to say some stuff out of your mouth that probably wasn't edifying to Jesus? Anybody? You're like, say something. I did say something. I screamed it. All right? <laughs> you were under excruciating pain, were you not? Watch this. But you were willing to go through it. You know why? Because there's pain with a purpose. You knew what was on the other side of it. I'm willing to go through all of hell for these next nine months because I know it's going to produce one of the most joyful things in my life. Could it be that God allows us to go through some of the hardest things in our life because he has a purpose? Now, I'm not saying that God causes these things. I don't think God caused the sickness on my son. I don't believe that God caused some of the pain that's been happening in your life. But how many know, listen, God never wastes pain, though. When your pain is connected to purpose, you can realize that that divorce that meant to take you out was actually something God was using to make you stronger. Use that diagnosis that, that you thought was going to be the end. God used that death of the loved one that you thought I'm never get over, God used it to draw you closer to Jesus. 
The story of Paul and Silas is not that they got the, the walls were, were uh, open, the jail cells were open. That was not the story. The story was not what happened at midnight. The story was what happened after midnight because after the jail cells were open and the jailer was going to commit suicide and Paul says, no, 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 stop. We're all here. And in that moment, what looked like just an open door to get out was actually an open door to get the gospel in. What doors has God opened through pain in your life that was not meant for you to get out of the pain, but for God to enter into the pain? What are the moments we have allowed to pass on because we were so connected to the pain that we didn't have a higher perspective to see that God was using it to minister to me, to my family, to my friends, to lost people? Lindsay and I have ministered to more people in the face of what's going on with our son than we ever did in the years before that. My pastor, my spiritual father has been battling cancer for 10 years. Every year the doctor says, you're not gonna make it another year. Just this past January, the doctors told him he only had six months left to live. That's happened for 10 years, by the way. And every time we hear it, we're like, yeah, right. And can I tell you this? Every Monday, every other Monday, every two weeks, he goes and he sits in a chemo chair and he has won more people to Jesus in a chemo chair than he's ever done it in the pulpit. You know why? Because his perspective is not connected to his pain. His perspective is connected to his purpose, that if God will allow this in my life, God, let me not waste it. God, let me use it for your glory. Can I get an amen from somebody in here that doesn't want to allow the enemy to waste your pain? So Father, right now in this moment, we're not thankful for the pain, but we can be thankful in it. God, help us to see things from your perspective. God, help us to see that what the enemy meant to steal, kill, and destroy, you have allowed to heal, to restore, to forgive, to mend. What the enemy meant to divide, God, you can use to reconcile and bring back together. If you're here in this room and you've maybe been walking through a season of pain, would you just shoot your hand up? I wanna know who I'm praying for. There's those of you that are in here. Thank you for your hand. Thank you over here. Anybody else all over here in the back? Just keep your hand up. There's nothing to be shameful of. That's that, that season. God is the closest to the brokenhearted. So Father, right now, I thank you, Lord, that your word says that. that God is near the brokenhearted. That what can seem like the worst days, weeks, and years of our life, that in your hands can become the greatest testimony, become the greatest works, the greatest miracles. So God, we submit this pain before you. We thank you that you don't waste it. God, would you use it? Would you shape us? Would you use us? God, may our lives be a living testimony of not a how good we are, but of how great you are. God, we commit to honor you, to bless you, to point all this back to you. God, I pray that you would be glorified and that you would be honored. Sustain your people. God, may in their weakness you be strong. Thank you, Lord, that your mercies are new every morning. We need you and we depend on you more than ever before. In Jesus' name. And everyone said. Thank you for listening to this week's message. You can stay connected with us at vintage.church or on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Here at Vintage, we believe that church is more than a place or a weekend activity. It's a spiritual family where Jesus is the center of our lives personally and our relationships collectively. If you are in the Harker Heights, Fort Hood area, we would love to have you join us this week. You can learn more about us, our service times, and plan your visit by checking out our website at vintage.church. We hope to see you soon.